1: How's it going, Habs fans? This is episode 12 of the Canadians Connection podcast. This is Saturday, December 8th, 2018, and we're back with another episode of Canadians Connection. And uh, before we go any further, we'd like to thank you for for tuning in. We're glad to have you along. And uh, so without any further ado, let let me welcome the Lars Eller to my Rene Bork, Mr. Rick Stevens.
2: (laughs) Rene Bork really. I I listen, I I don't mind being compared to Lars Eller at all. <laughs> I figured you like that, that guy. Part. I do. I do. I like yeah. like it a lot.
1: Well, you know, I figured they had that they were a part of that line in 2014 where Rene Bork was a actual surprise. So, hey, every now and then I have he was. a good episode. So, there we go. That's that's the draw in. <laughs> I
2: think <laughs> you're, you're just... going to have a great episode. I think we're going to have a great <laughs> episode today.
1: We have a lot to talk about. So that that makes it that makes me feel a little bit optimistic about this episode. We have after last week that felt a little bit light with a little bit more content based on things that were done regarding Carl Alsner and Nikita Sherback and we're we're going to talk about Nikita Sherback, don't you worry. But it feels like this week was a little bit more concrete. There were some games involved and it's strange that the Habs aren't playing tonight on Saturday, but they have Chicago tomorrow. So but but yeah, it, it just feels like there's a lot to get to today.
2: So let's get to it.
1: Let's get to it. So we're going to start off with the uh with with our favorite segment, winners and losers.
0: And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection.
1: So this was a uh this was a rather good week for the Montreal Canadiens. So it feels like probably start off positive and then we can get into whatever it is that we didn't necessarily like about this week for the Montreal Canadiens. So would you like to get us started or will I? Go ahead. All right. So I think this is going to come as a little surprise. You, This is a guy that you had as your winner last week, but man, oh man, is it ever good to have Shea Weber back there again? Is it, it's just this, this stabilizing force that is just back there and you don't really even need to worry because, He's there. He's there, and everyone else plays better because of it. Jeff Petrie was playing well before Shea Weber got back. He's still playing well now, and he's playing less minutes. He's not getting as, you know, physically taxed as he was early on this season, and that's that's a great thing for the Montreal Canadiens. That's a luxury to have that you don't have to play Jeff Petrie as much as you were playing him early this season because I don't know how much longer Jeff Petrie – was going to go on. He played 33 minutes in one game against the Washington Capitals. And now once you bring back in Noah Juleson, because of this, you've got a really nice right side of your defense core. And it's all because you have Shea Weber and Shea Weber, you know, he he went into that game last week against the New York Rangers, scored two goals. The next night against the the San Jose Sharks, not a great night for the Montreal Canadiens as a team. Shea Weber absolutely destroyed Jonas Donskoy. I don't care that he got a penalty. That was an amazing hit. And, and very, uh, later on in that same game, I believe Gallagher got hit in a similar fashion, and there was no penalty there. It's just because Shea Weber is such a, a, a giant, such a big guy, that, you know, that's, that's what he's capable of doing. And it made the hit look maybe a little bit worse than it actually was. Anyways, I digress. He's a physical force to have back there. And you can see that Montreal is feeding off of that. And not only that, but he elevates everyone around him when he's in the lineup. And you know, we had Chris uh, Chris G on talking about Brett Kulak a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? Brett Kulak is a fine defenseman, a fine defenseman. Nothing wrong with him. He played 70 games in Calgary. That's a pretty good defensive core, even though they they, they didn't really do a whole lot last year. Their defensive core is not, the, is not the problem there. And he managed to get in 70 games. So that says something about Brett Kulak. But he is not a first-pairing defenseman. And Shea Weber is making him look like a, a first-pairing defenseman. And he's done this. He did this last year with Victor Meta. He's doing it again now. There's just something about having Shea Weber in the lineup that takes everything up to the next level whether it, it, it be the, uh, the forwards having feeling like they have a little bit more freedom because you have Shea Weber back there, maybe a little bit more space because Shea Weber is a physical force that you do not want to mess with, as Donskoy found out in that game against the San Jose Sharks. There's something about having Shea Weber that, that just does wonders to a hockey team, and I think we're seeing this right now.
2: Absolutely. Um, and, and you mentioned uh, – you know, how he makes people around him better. He, he just kind of uh, casts a wide shadow and, um, and the way he plays on, on ice, uh, whether it's uh, clearing the front of the net, uh, creating space um, or his, his sound, uh, you know, work and passes and all that. Uh, it, it just helps. uh particularly a, a team that's, that's got uh, a boatload of, of third pairing defensemen. It, it helps them look pretty good. Now Brett Kulak has, has had his ups and downs, uh, but for the most part uh, has been playing, um, you know, punching above his weight. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, everybody wondered if there was going to be a bit of, of rust on uh, Shea Weber uh, when he came back, he has, uh, four to assist uh in five games been back for five games um uh, just eight seconds short uh, of twenty five minutes uh averaging at twenty five minutes per game and I thought it was interesting that uh, uh Claude Julien was asked this week who do you co- you you've coached um you know Zdeno Chira, uh, uh andre markov who do you compare um uh Shea Weber too, and the name that came to to his mind uh, was Nicholas Lindstrom, um, seven-time Norris Trophy winner, uh, Lindstrom, um, yeah. and and mainly because of of the way um, he's able to make players look better around him, and I mean he he leads by example. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think that's the kind of effect that he can have. Uh, on a team he's he's been a, was a captain before in nashville uh, obviously uh very accustomed to that role and uh and has uh been leading his team uh even before he he was was back joining the team on the road and and uh um you know he's he's been absolutely great on the ice uh so yeah. ab- i fully support your your choice uh for shea weber's uh being uh your winner of the week and just it just two more things.
1: And this is actually kind of, it, it's kind of funny that I'm picking the moments from the game that the Montreal Canadiens actually lost, even though he's my winner of the week. But when he sawed off the the, the shaft of, of Martin Jones' dick, oh, yeah. like, that, like that, I've only ever seen that in baseball. Like that was remarkable that he, like how much power he has on that shot. And that's done wonders for the power play. Just generally Montreal just seems to be clicking. And number two, the speed that was displayed on that goal number two. And people were talking, as you mentioned, about what is it going to be like for Shea Weber to come back? He wasn't exactly fleet of foot, you know, when he left. What is he going to be now? And I think everyone's kind of getting a glimpse that, you know, even though he was injured and, and had to, to have surgery and has been out for, for basically it was basically a year, he, he got some rest too. And, and he looks refreshed. He looks like he's gotten a little bit, you know, he's gotten some some valuable rest, which he didn't necessarily get because the NHL is a grind, as you know. So that, to me, also, that, that jumped out as well, is, uh, just the speed that he displayed on that second goal. Um, speaking of speed, we are going to jump right into your winner of
2: the week. And my winner of the week, uh, all speed, all the time, yep. Paul Byron. <laughs> and and it's interesting that that when he uh was picked up on waivers uh from Calgary and came to Montreal that's really all he was known for was speed um and i remember at the time uh, you know the calgary fans um Knew uh, Paul Byron as as a player with speed and a player who broke their hearts over and over and over again because <laughs> he could not score on the breakaway if his life depended on it, um, and and he seems to have sorted that out, um, and and is now uh, a player with speed and a, and and a whole lot more, um, and dare I say that we saw this week that, uh, as, as, uh, Paul Byron returned, you, we've talked about the, the impact of Shea Weber returning, f- uh, from injury. We also saw the impact of Paul Byron and his return, uh, from injury. Um, you know, we look at, at his stats and, and he's played just 15 games, uh, six goals, five assists for 11 points, which is, which is pretty good. Um, but I think there's more to it than that because we saw that, that, um, Paul Byron is kind of uh, a catalyst. Uh, I, I, I would describe him as uh, for the Canadians attack. Um, you know, he's fast, good hands. He, he plays a spirited game. He can score, he, he can defend dangerous uh, on the penalty kill, but we saw Claude Julien uh, willing to um, use him as the guy to ignite a, a line. Uh, yeah. And so we saw uh uh, Paul Byron and Andrew Shaw swapped uh, a couple of times back and forth uh, on the wing. And each time it seemed like uh, Paul Byron made the line that he uh, joined better. Um, yeah. And, uh, and nothing against uh, Andrew Shaw, because uh, I think he's playing at the top of his game right now, but yeah. it just seemed there was something special about uh, what, uh Paul Byron was, uh, is asked to, to, uh, uh, bring to a line and you, there was a quote by, uh, yes, uh, saying, uh, yeah, he's fast and, and, and skating's not my thing. So, uh, it forces me to, to, uh, pick up my game. So, um, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could only think of Paul Byron this week as, as my winner, um, just for, um, uh, what he's bringing in terms of stats, but also the uh, the intangibles.
1: Yeah, and and Boyer, Jesper cut he's honest assessments of what's going on. Uh, that's quickly become my favorite <laughs> thing. Is his just yeah. brutally honest <laughs> assessments of everything that is happening around him, and and it's it continues to be. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, bringing back Paul Byron. I think it kind of, to a lesser extent, and, and we wondered about this, I remember when we were talking about who should be wearing letters for the Montreal Canadiens, and you were like, you know, Paul Byron kind of seems like a, a, a strange one, just just because of, you know, everyone else. You you, you kind of see that Gallagher has, done, has worn a letter for a couple years now. Shea Weber, no argument there. Nothing needs to be said. But Paul Byron was a different one, and, and that was why that conversation was had, and I think we're beginning to see why exactly that is, because you can put Paul Byron anywhere in this lineup. You can put him in any situation. And, and, and I think that we're going to continue to see that going forward. Obviously, as everyone knows on the penalty kill, that's somebody that you have to look out for if you're the opposite, opposition. But this is a guy that they, they clearly have a lot of trust in. And as you mentioned, being able to shift him up and down the lineup as they see the game going in whichever different direction, that's incredibly important to have. That's something that, you know, going down the stretch run, if Montreal is still in this race, that kind of player that can shift up and down is going to be incredibly important to whatever they, that that, that they're trying to do. So I think that, yeah, when, when you say Paul Byron, I I absolutely agree with, uh, with your choice for the winner of the week as well had a, had a great game against the Ottawa senators always plays well against his uh his hometown team. So that's always that's always a nice little thing to throw in there as well. Um, right. so I'm uh so I'm a generous person this week so considering that oh, this was <laughs> considering this was a good week for the Montreal Canadiens. They were they went three and one. We uh you know I'm gonna sacrifice my pick of loser of the week and give it to Rick so, Rick, this is your space. You can, you can go whichever direction you want. Let's see what two things that you have decided
2: on for your losers of the week. You're making me look like the Grinch, huh? Okay. All <laughs> right. I'll, I'll wear it proudly. I'll wear it proudly. Um, you know, I, I thought back to, to, to last season, and it's always good to put things in context, put things in perspective. And one of the things that we were talking about at this time last year um, as injuries mounted and and other things um, was the big stack of cash that Mark Bergevin was sitting on and refusing to spend. Um, If you remember at the start of last season, um, he started the season with about $8 million under the cap, um, which buys even this year, buys a pretty, pretty decent player. And everybody was wondering, why? why aren't you spending it? Spend it. Um, <laughs> and, and it went throughout the year as, as the season got worse uh, on ice. Uh, Mark Bergevin wasn't spending the money. And, and surely he would spend it at the trade deadline. No, he didn't. Um, and he, he, the Canadians ended the season um, $7.5 million under the cap. Uh, and in fact, they were 26th in spending um, in the NHL. And it seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Um, that, that we, I mean, I, I if you asked fans, um, they'd kind of say, oh yeah, Canadians, they, they spend to the cap. Um, as it turns out, when you look back historically and um, writer that I had, um, that was with us a few years ago, Kyle Russell. Uh, actually looked into it and said that the Canadians are more of a budget team than they are a cap team. They they more often spend to a budget that's below the cap um, than than is at the cap, and and that seems odd um, yeah. for a team um, this year. And and really, there's there's not a lot of talk about it. Um, the Canadians are twenty currently twenty seventh in spending. Uh, and they're in and around the $9 million uh, range under the cap. Um, and if you look at Mark Bergervan over the past five years, there's not a season that he's in the top 10 in, in spending. Hmm. And yet, put that against something that came, and, and what sparked this with me um, was um, that an article came out from Forbes. Uh, as it does each year, talking about the, the value, the valuation of the franchise, the sports franchises, particularly the NHL Um, this year, uh, as, as per usual, the, the New York Rangers are the most valuable franchise um, in the NHL worth or or estimated to be worth $1.5 billion. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have uh, jumped up uh, above the Canadians uh, into second place, worth 1.4 billion. But the Canadian, the Montreal Canadiens, are worth 1.25 billion dollars. Mm. Um, and last year, in pocketing that um, seven and seven two seven five, whatever it was that they were under a cap, in pocketing that, that added to their uh, yearly profit. Of one hundred million dollars Dr um, evil <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, so in a year that they were dreadful, they were dreadful, um, they uh were dreadful on the ice, there was empty seats and and um you know uh, uh, season ticket holders complaining, merchandising was down, uh all of that still. They made a hundred million dollars profit and yet did not spend to the cap. Mm. So my loser of the week is going to be, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to share it uh, between uh, Jeff Molson and uh, Mark Bergevin, um and say, quit pocketing all this money and start spending to the cap.
1: That is a, uh, that's a fair request. I think that, is, I mean, you would think of the Montreal Canadians in that same kind of vein as, you would think of maybe the Boston Red Sox and baseball or the New York Yankees in, in that kind of same way where they're obviously a team that has this illustrious history. They have done basically, you know, they, they've won championships. You would think that they would be, and that, that is a very interesting point that within the past, you know, 10 years or so they've, they've been more of a budget team. So that is, I think that is a, a fair request. And I will say that now that I've mentioned Dr. Evil, all I can picture is Mark Bergevin at the end of the year with his, pinky to his mouth saying $100 million. (laughs) So with that random thought thrown out there, let's get to your other loser of the week.
2: My other loser of the week. um, And and, I mean, we try to be kind to our, um, we're we're an independent media site. We're credentialed uh, and we have, uh, we're very proud of that. And we try not to be too critical of our mainstream media partners. But, um, this week uh, there was something I really didn't like. And, um, going to have to call out, uh, TBS sport and, um, and in particular, Renault Lavoie, Le- Renault Lavoie is very close to the Canadians and, and is often their choice, uh, to, um, feed information. And, um, one of the things as a journalist and, and, and you would know this, um, Uh, Joe uh, and one of the things you're taught is the story should never be about you port the story, but you never make the story about yourself. Uh, It seems a rather obvious lesson to me. Um, but at the general managers meetings, uh, this week, um, Lavois Lavoie happened to spot, uh, Luke Robitaille, um, in charge of the Los Angeles Kings. And they, they met, um, and Luke Robitaille said, uh, gee, we're excited. We just picked up um, from waivers, we picked up Nikita um, um, What do you think? Did we get a good player? And Renault Lavois said, uh, well, um, in my opinion, he's not an NHL caliber player. And in fact, I'm wondering if he's even an AHL caliber player. Um, you know what? Um, glad he's gone. The Canadians haven't lost anything. Um, and then went on to say, I'm pretty confident that after the 30 day period has uh, expired, um, that you will place Nikita back back on waivers. Now, It's one thing if you asked the question of Luke Robitaille, um, (laughs) which he probably wouldn't answer. But when that story's reported as the reporter's opinion and tied to Luke Robitaille, there was all kinds of people who certainly misunderstood the story and thought it was Luke Robitaille saying he's not an NHL caliber player, he's not an AHL caliber player, and we're going to place him back on waivers wasn't the case at all it was rena Lavois opinion um, yeah and as a reporter um uh, it it wasn't his place it wasn't his place uh to poison that well uh for nikita sherback with the los angeles kings and um ethically i don't think it was his position to make the entire story about quotes that he generated himself
1: yeah and i think that's that's probably uh that's probably fair. And, um, you know, the one thing that I'll say on this is you were on a podcast with, uh, with some, uh, Los Angeles Kings that was affiliated with the Los Angeles Kings website, uh, all the Kings men. And you gave an honest assessment of Nikita Sherbak from the vantage point of having watched him play many, many times over the past three, four years that he is, since he was being, since he's been drafted, basically, and playing in St. John's and playing in Laval. And, you know, I I think that, you know, obviously when I saw that, that story get out, I at first misinterpreted it as Luke Robitaille saying these things. But once you find out that it was just actually the opinion rather than someone, you know, the opinion of the person writing it, then a lot of, you know, you take a little bit of, of a grain of salt with that because, how many how many times has he seen Nikita Sherback play? If you're going to make the argument that Nikita Sherback is not an AHL player, or at least that you don't think he is, then look at the numbers. Back it up. Find some argument to say that. That's an opinion. That is simply just an opinion of somebody that very quite honestly has not seen a whole lot of Nikita Sherback playing in the AHL. So I'm not quite sure where exactly that whole thing contributes to what he said, but that was what I took away from it. And that was my opinion on his opinion, which uh, was, was that of uh, a very, is a very controversial opinion that kind of, that got a little bit of run yesterday as that, when that, uh, when that came out. And and I think a lot of people were a little bit confused as to what was, what was said. And and, I mean, certainly a lot of people that, uh, that maybe agree with the opinion, but at the same time, like you say it's it's not the story shouldn't be about yourself it should be about the player and um yeah so uh is there anything else you'd like to get to on that, or should we move on
2: well i I'd, I'd just add to that and and you're very gracious in in mentioning that uh that I was on the 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 podcast yeah. and and they were very uh thanks to uh Jesse Cohen and the folks at all the King's men and uh the Los Angeles kings for uh, um, uh promoting it and and for um uh, having that interest uh in in our site but i think yeah um you know i was able to provide um uh, my own opinion from from um my my viewing uh also uh, yourself you you had firsthand that when you were covering in st john's nikita sherback we have amy johnson who's seen every one of his pro games yeah um and we also have i have the uh, opinions of scouts around the NHL, uh, and, and um, 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 added those to uh, my appraisal when uh, when I was asked to to give a, a description of, of Nikita Sherbak. So if you'd like to hear that, um, you know the, it's it's a great podcast. Uh, go to the Los Angeles uh, Kings website uh, and look for all the Kings men and, and uh, uh, you'll find uh, you'll find that right there.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I listened to it yesterday. You, you did a, a wonderful job in uh, in explaining what exactly maybe went wrong for Nikita here in Montreal. But other than that, I guess we'll uh, we'll continue on and and you'll continue doing the great things like you did on the podcast yes uh, the other day. So we're gonna be right back with you after this. We're gonna discuss everything that went on with the Montreal Canadiens. We're gonna talk about Max Domi. Maybe get in a little bit more with Nikita Sherbak.
0: We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team... Visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at AllHabs.net the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We're discussing our winners and losers a little bit earlier on this show. And then one of the guys that, I was considering for my winner of the week, and he's kind of he's been in that conversation more often than not this season. Is Max Domi, and so Max Domi had a had a good week. He had, a, you know, he had a three point night against the Ottawa Senators in that first half of the uh, little home and home series that they did. Um, but after the game, they uh, they they found a little clip of uh, Max Domi at first i think they they said that they thought he was mouthing the word whatever to uh, to zack smith and at first i thought that was a little bit weird that doesn't seem like a, something that an nhl player would say but it was actually discovered to be waivers and uh as as you may have heard Zach smith earlier this season he got sent down he got put through waivers rather and uh, and he, he made it back up with the big club but at the time if you remember matt duchesne said that It was a kick in the stomach, PG. Um, So that was a little bit of a, of a thing that kind of got, it kind of blew up a little bit afterwards. And I, 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 it didn't sit well with me for, for a couple of different reasons, but, and I understand, look, these guys, they, they go out there and they talk and they talk and they talk and that's, that's fine. And, and Max Domi, he grew up around that. He's, he's well-versed in that. His, his dad, I'm sure, taught him, taught him well. But the part that I don't quite like about this, and, and, and people were saying that, well, you know what, if he's not bringing up his family, his wife or his, or his children or whatever, then it's fair game. But at the same time, like, this is Zach Smith's livelihood. And say what you want about Zach Smith and what he did later on which is uh which is kind of funny because that's exactly how Matt Duchesne felt when he was put through waivers but um but you know say what you want about Zach Smith but the guy is an NHL player when he he plays his role plays it effectively and you know to me I thought that it was just a, a little bit it just really kind of didn't sit well with me that that was something that was that was deemed to be you know, it's, it's part of the game and, and I, it's gamesmanship. I understand that point, but what, what did you think? Cause it, it didn't really sit well with me.
2: No. And uh, you're right. Uh, you know, he comes by it honestly, because um, I attended a number of Winnipeg's jets games and, and <laughs> sat low enough to hear more than I wanted. I got a, quite an education from Ty Domi at the time Um <laughs> Listen, yeah, I, his, he, mouthing the words, uh, waivers, and then his little, with his glove kind of, uh, you know, brushing him, brushing, uh, uh, Zach Smith, um, away. And, and to be clear that happened in, in Tuesday night's game. Um, now it sat with, uh, Zach Smith, uh, on that off day and then on Thursday, uh, those two guys were at war uh and Zach, it the 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 taunting um obviously bothered Zach smith enough that he pitchforked <laughs> uh max Domi in a in a face off uh uh-huh. in, in a an uncomfortable position and yeah. um and got a um, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty uh out of it so obviously it was it was something that was was, um, uh, really eating at him. Um, yeah. and to me, it just kind of, um, it, it, it kind of made me think the Nikita Shurback situation. And, and for some people, uh, it would explain kind of what, uh, if you read between the lines, what went on. Obviously, um, saying what he said or, or mouthing what he, what Max Domi said, uh, perhaps one of the worst insults in hockey and, and in your estimation uh, over the line. Yeah. uh, If I can say that, uh, if I can interpret what you said.
0: Um,
2: So, so for um, Mark Bergevin, not to trade, Nikita Sherbak, and and there was people who made the assumption that uh, Mark Bergevin didn't receive any offers. That would be an incorrect assumption. Um, the the Mark Bergevin didn't accept any offers, and and he wasn't traded. If you want to punish a player, obviously, um, by Zach Smith's own reaction, uh, the worst thing that you can do to to him is. Uh, put him through waivers, um, put him on waivers, yeah. and particularly um, uh, disrespectful and insulting to a first round draft choice. Um, now, maybe the expectation was that he would he would clear um, he didn't he was taken. Sherback was taken by the very first team who had eligibility to take him. Uh, and that is the Los Angeles Kings and and the whole thing if this was the int- the attempt kind of blew up in the face of of Bergevin because it turns out uh that the Los Angeles Kings were the kind of a childhood dream of uh Nikita <laughs> Sherback um and because he he visited um Los Angeles when he was uh a young very young hockey player um and it, it was always kind of a dream dream team to him. And not only that, um it now uh on the roster, although he's injured, has one of Nikita Sherbach's childhood favorites in Ilya Kovachuk.
0: Um
2: yeah. and Nikita Sherbach is thrilled beyond thrilled uh to be uh with his his dream team with uh and has an opportunity to uh, learn and be mentored um, from his idol, um, and and I guess w- one step further, and, and I mentioned this on the the um, the Kings podcast this week uh, that I thought a good match for uh, Nikita Sherback would be um, Adrian Kempe. Yeah, Adrian Kempe, who, who um, is, uh, centers the third line for the Kings and who was taken by the Kings. Uh, just uh, four or five spots after Sherbach in the same draft. Um, and uh, Kempe, if you remember, um, when the Kings came to Montreal um, a year or two ago, um, he centered a line with, uh, with that included Mike Camilleri, and the two of them did a lot of damage against the Canadians. Uh, so Nikita Sherbach the same skilled offensive player, uh, not, not, wouldn't be out of, out of, too far out of scope, uh, to, to, uh, compare some of his qualities to Mike Cam- Camillary. Um, and I thought they would be a good match. So today, uh, after all the visa situation, work visa situation has been cleared up for Nikita Shurback, he'll find himself on the line, the third line, um, with, uh, Adrian Kempi. And with Tyler Tafoli, sounds like a pretty good line to me. And Willie DeJardin has been very impressed with uh, Sherbach's uh, attitude, his work ethic, his speed, and his skill uh, in the Kings practices this week. Yeah.
1: And I think it all goes back to one word that you said, and that is opportunity. You know, I saw and, and you mentioned it that there are people that were saying, well, obviously, if, if they didn't trade him, they obviously got no offers. Well, okay. so say that they didn't, you know, get those offers or to your point, you know, maybe they did get offers. But regardless of all of that, the one thing and I know that Montreal Canadiens fans might not remember that you have to do this. But one thing that you have to do in order to trade a player is showcase them because a team and I saw this on Twitter yesterday that teams trade for potential all the time. They trade for potential that is tangible, that they see, that they know in the NHL. They they don't trade for just raw potential a whole lot. Like, to your point, there very well could have been just draft picks that were thrown, but that wouldn't have made Mark Bergevin look especially great, because this is a former first-round pick, and if you trade him for a second or a third, then you're moving down. And that, in the eyes of some fans, would be... You know, obviously, a, a loss of, a, of an elite talent co- compared to what might be available in a second or a third round. However, but the point still remains if you don't showcase a player to other teams, they are not going to draw a, a whole lot of interest. I mean, they, they like the fact that Nikita Sherbak is as skilled as he is, and, and the way that Willie Desjardins is speaking about him right now. Would suggest that he is definitely a skilled guy and that could probably draw the interest of teams looking to make a deal. But you can't just sit him for a month and expect offers to come flooding in. Like, teams need to know what's going on and they're not going to trade for what they don't know. They're they're just, they won't do that. That's not smart business sense. And if you look back uh, a couple of days ago, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded Daniel Sprong. To the Anaheim Ducks, and Daniel Sprong to me seems like it seems like a fair kind of a, a comparison in, in terms of what has gone on in Pittsburgh relative to what's gone on in Montreal. Because Sprong is a guy that has some upside, but he did he never really seemed to be a part of their plans going forward. And if Nikita Sherbak isn't a part of the Montreal Canadiens' plans going forward, or wasn't a part of them, that's fine. But if you don't play him, you're not going to be able to. Trade him for another asset that you could use down the line. And the Pittsburgh Penguins did that when they acquired a, a right shot defenseman from the pit, uh, from the, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. So to me, that is, that is what you see. That's what you do when you have an asset like this. You can't sit them for a month and then, you know, and obviously say, well, you know, he's not good enough or, or this or that. And, and we, we don't know if he's good enough. You didn't play him. You didn't give him an opportunity to show what he has. And so now you lose him for nothing. And the LA Kings, I think, are making out like bandits here. Obviously early on, there's still a lot of time left to go, but it's a good start for him playing with, as you mentioned, a guy like Kempe and, and playing under a guy like Willie Desjardins. I think this is a really good fit.
2: I'll just, um, uh, add one thing, um, uh, to, to your commentary and that is, um, Daniel Sprung, and I don't think this is any secret, uh, Daniel Sprung has attitude issues, uh, yeah. major attitude issues. And, and that let's would be, be clear. The only, yeah. Let's be very clear. Nikita Sherback does not. He is a great yeah. guy, really good guy uh, on and off the ice.
1: Yeah. And that was the that's the one thing as well, is that I feel like wherever Nikita Sherback goes, wherever he ends up, I feel like he's always going to be grateful for what he is going to get. And I feel like even though, this is a dream scenario for him playing with Ilya Kovalchuk playing in you know a a city that he visited as a a young hockey player you know you you heard a lot of the same things about him when he was coming to Montreal how excited he was and and you're hearing them again I think that this is just a guy that is grateful for what he has and that would obviously be the one the one uh, thing that isn't similar about the way that they carry themselves but but the upside and the way that they were handled in terms of of asset management, in that way, I feel like there there are uh, there are some similarities. But to the larger point, Nikita Sherbak is is a is a great guy, and I, I and I really do think that this is a good fit for him. Um, so a lot of chatter about waivers. Uh, so let's move on to the Montreal Canadiens. Yesterday placing Xavier Ouellette on waivers and he has now since cleared waivers and is going to the Laval rocket. Um, Rick, why do you think that the Montreal Canadiens went out and in July, mind you, signed this guy to a contract?
2: Uh, Honestly, I, I was going to say, I have no idea. Of course I have an idea. Um, and, (laughs) And, and, and there's, there's, we, we talked about how the um, the new uh, marketing team has kind of moved its way into the hockey decisions part. Uh, Paul Wilson, um, uh, the president of communications, has come with a kind of a very different approach—a very, very different. Uh, aggressive kind of approach and and uh involving himself uh not only in the in in communications but but in the in the building of the story uh about the montreal canadians and we you know i found it so odd that that um claude Julien was talking about he needed to have in his mind to consider that the canadians when he was structuring his lineup that the Canadians had to be entertaining as well. Um, and I thought, wow, that was, aw-. and, and you and I differed on that, uh, a, yeah. a bit, but I thought, <laughs> um, gee, that was odd. I've never heard a coach, uh, talk, uh, talk that way before. And it was obviously the influence of the, the new communications folks. Um, and so sure, um, you know, you can figure it out for yourself. Why, um, Xavier Willett would be a good guy to add uh, from, a, from a communications, from a marketing standpoint. Uh, but it really, I mean, all the things, the reasons that he was a, a, a healthy scratch for 40-some-odd games in Detroit last year when Detroit wasn't a very good team, but he couldn't break that lineup. Uh, all of those things we've seen, and I've, I've, I've seen people, yeah, but he's a good skater. Great um there's a lot of good skaters but there's more to (laughs) defending than uh skating um and you know nine times out of ten i want uh, a smart player if we're talking about a limited protected uh role back there third pairing um i want a smart player back there who knows their limitations and knows how to Uh, be effective despite those limitations. I want that kind of player back there rather than someone who is a good skater. And, and for Xavier Ouellette, it's all about decision-making or lack thereof. Um, And, and we saw that, we saw that in, in um, preseason and it continued uh, uh, into um, the, the games that he played. And, and unfortunately um, you know, Mark Bergevin chose not to deal with his the ma- the major hole that he created uh, when when he let Sergachev go, when, or traded Sergachev when he let Markov go, um, when he chose to uh, trade away those two picks, one of which was going to go to Sh- Sam Girard, a uh, left-handed defenseman, um, for Andrew Shaw. Uh, he created this big vacuum on the left side and he did nothing about it in the summer other than adding uh, a lot of third pairing defensemen. And, and, uh, and now, uh, and, and, and created a bit of a log jam too for anybody. Uh, not that there's a, not that there's a lot in, in Laval, but uh, for them to come up. So um, yeah, I, I think this is just um, you know, uh, chickens coming home to roost kind of thing this was kind of uh, inevitable and uh and, yeah. and now uh Willette has been uh, uh sent to laval
1: yeah and um yeah i don't i don't think it's overly surprising and, and when people point out the speed the problem with that argument is you already have mike riley and victor meta if if he's not as fast as those guys and his decision making is worse, then there is absolutely no point in him being around. Um, so so in that regard, I I really didn't understand the signing to begin with. I I still don't understand it now. And especially you make that signing in in July. You make that signing then. That is your one of your bigger moves of the summer. That's that's usually the time you make those kind of moves in July. Would you? Would you agree? And, and, and so that's now in the mind of every guy that you have. And I know that you said that there, there aren't a whole lot of guys down in LaValle that could make their way up. The only guy that I think could have done that was Brett Lernout. And so that's now in his mind as he's heading into an offseason of training, of getting ready for this season. He enters camp, and he has to know that this guy is going to be ahead of him at the end because this is the guys they brought in at the beginning of the off season, You know, it's different when you bring in a guy like a Brett Kulak just before the season starts. That's a little bit different. When you know that that guy is going to be at, the, regardless of whatever you do, that guy is going to be at the, on, the, on the opening night roster at the end of it, that is debilitating to a guy. And Brett Lernout, I think, could have brought something in this team early on this season. And then it goes back to the question of asset management again. Because okay yes you add Juleson back now you have Weber back now you got 19 games of Xavier Roulette, and you get nothing out of it if you play 19 games of Brett Lernout let me tell you right shot defensemen do not grow on trees there would be some people that some GMs some anywhere that would have liked to maybe trade something for him I I know that that's that's you know kind of an unfortunate way that it would end or maybe he would stick around. I don't know, but you gain a lot more from playing a guy like Brett out over playing a guy like Xavier Ouellette and, and Amy Johnson that we were talked about earlier, the AHL report, she was talking about the feeling that players get after they make their first opening night roster. And, and I feel like this could have been a moment for the Montreal Canadiens where you gain a lot because you're a giving a guy an opportunity to play who has some upside, and B, it would be, it would work out well for him because he would get a boost of confidence and he would also kind of get rewarded for, I mean, I know that Laval is, they had Matt Karaminer last year, the year before when they were in St. John's, they had Zach Redmond. but Brett out has been a steady force back there for them. And early on to start the season without Shea Weber, that's a, that's something that the Montreal Canadiens could have used on that right side. I know Noah Jolson brings a lot of that, but he could have brought some of it as well. So to me, this signing, just from from the moment it, it, it was made official, it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So, um, yeah, that that's where that's where I'm at with this. And then also that you you expose Brett now because of that to waivers. And regardless of what would have happened after, when Shea Weber comes back and now Juleson comes back, he would have had NHL experience. He could have drawn interest from other teams. We don't know because that didn't happen. But there's a lot more I think that could have been gained from having him start the season rather than going out and getting a guy that pretty much everyone knows what he is. And as you say, it goes back to the decision making, and and that's really the big, that's the big impediment in, in his game is that, sure the speed is there, but I mean, when you see two pinches in in a like in the span of I think it was back-to-back shifts against Buffalo Sabers. And that starts the game. Then there's obviously something that's not quite clicking there. So, yeah, I think that uh, that was a uh, that was not really a surprising move. As I said, now he's going to join the Laval Rocket along with Simone Dupré, who they they signed to a PTO. And uh, so yeah, they've got a lot of of good uh, good hometown boys down on the Laval Rocket now. Uh, so I guess we'll leave it there unless you wanted to get anywhere else with that.
2: I think we can, we can move on from there. Uh, and uh, you know, what you said just fits in with uh, the the Montreal Canadians have been uh, very good at drafting, pretty good at development, terrible yeah. at transitioning their own draft choices into the uh, NHL roster. And, and that's been, my um pet peeve forever and and uh and here's just another example of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh when we come back, we're going to uh talk about something uh something that's coming up at the end of the month, that we got the World Junior Hockey Championship. It's burning question and and uh we're going to get into it a little bit with the question of the week. Uh if you were Mark Bergevin, would you uh send Jesper Cutneyami to the World Juniors to play for his native home His uh is uh Uh, National Team Finland. So we'll get to that. You will get to your responses after this short break.
0: The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jersey, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. your year-round resource for anything HABs-related. That's allHABs.net.
1: And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. A little bit earlier on, we were talking about the uh, Montreal Canadiens handling of the Nikita Sherback situation. And uh, now we're going to talk about another young player, another young forward that the Montreal Canadiens have, another first-round pick that they made. another first-round pick, I should say. Uh, but Yusperi uh, Koukkaniemi was just about a first uh, first uh, pick overall. But anyways, he was uh, the subject of this question of the week that we've decided for this week, which is, if you were Marc Bergevin, would you send Kotkaniemi to the World Juniors to play for Team Finland? And uh, early on, and I kind of expected that this would be the general trend, a lot of people were like, no, that, that, that doesn't sound right. I, I don't think that he's, you know, doing anything wrong or, or you know, if, if it'll help the team at all. And, you know, we have people like Brad, easy no. He was getting adequate playing time and won't gain anything. So uh, why chance him getting hurt Because somebody runs him? I mean, it's not not something you typically see in the in the World Juniors. I mean, it is obviously the chance of getting hurt, but not quite getting run. Not usually it does happen from time to time, but they are pretty uh, they're pretty protective of, of those kind of things from happening. But anyways, there's a lot of people that are supporting that, and that's what I kind of figured would be the general consensus. But but since we've got on the air, there seems to be a little bit more of an evening out of it, and you you've got people like Richard. Who, uh, who said, uh, I support anything and everything that will aid in his development. Habs are going nowhere this season, so why not focus on the future? Anybody have an idea when the, the Habs last developed a star forward or center? Any of you old enough to remember rather than to look it up? And uh, that's a great point. I mean, the thing about this is is you're only loaning him for, what, two weeks, a week, a little bit. You know, like, it's, it's really not that long of a time to be without Yusperi Kopp-Kiemi. And given the way that he's kind of, I know that fans are, are you know, they, they love Yasperi Kotkaniemi. They've grown to really like him a lot, and he's been playing well. But, you know, there's, there's an argument that maybe sending him there, being a leader on a team, would also aid in his development as well. But generally, early on, there were a lot of no's, like Jonathan, absolutely not in a playoff race. He's a solid contributor. He'll learn nothing over there no pads are letting players go on waivers that we don't need have should be keeping our strongest performers and keeping and make uh make a push to win. And that was from Matt. Uh, yeah. Like, so generally early on, it seemed that a lot of people were of the opinion that this wouldn't really be beneficial, but it seems that that's kind of evened out a little bit.
2: And as we look at Facebook and if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, just search for All Habs, all one word, um, at All Habs on Facebook. Um, it's funny. I, I've always said there's uh, Facebook people and Twitter people are are two separate groups. And on <laughs> um, on Facebook, it's decidedly positive uh, for letting him go. Uh, although I'm going to start with Art Pollard, who is uh, a regular um commenter on our facebook page who says no uh, injury of risk is too high um yeah. I, I, that i i don't know i, I you know I'd, I'd have to think about um we talked about at the beginning of the year how uh, high the risk would be of him playing a full season in the of injury of playing a full season in the nhl certainly yeah if he's going to be targeted um it's in the nhl uh not so much at the world juniors um and, and but some anyway. people
1: have also yeah and some people have also made the point that it uh, was from the uh Hives unfiltered podcast that you know he's played with men for the past two seasons so i think that this is something that you know it would probably be if he were to get hurt from this i don't think it would be from anything that wouldn't that or you know that couldn't happen to him while playing in montreal so you know it's just as, just as likely
2: Uh, Read some more here. Uh, Valley Gordon says, let him go and represent his country. Jim McElwain says, it's interesting to ponder, but he's playing well, so no. Um, uh, Tyson Ryan says, uh, Bergevin shouldn't uh, have the choice. Uh, Let (laughs) the kid go represent his country. Um, Todd Costello said, yes, let him go. It's a great tournament for young talent. Uh, Don McCaskill said, yes, this would be a huge confidence boost to play against quality competition. uh, That's more in line with his strength level. Um, Stevie Kaka says, yes, he should go if he's willing. Uh, Marie Simmons says, let the go, a kid go once in a lifetime opportunity to play for gold at the world junior championships.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of evened out a little bit. I was, I was kind of weary of what the responses might be if it might just be just a completely one-sided edition of question of the week, but it's good to see that there's actually been a little bit of a, of a, of a tug of war kind of thing of a push and pull. So that's, that's good to see that, that people are a little bit, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, it's December. There's not a whole lot to talk about yet. So this is something that we can talk about. Maybe it is beneficial for him to go and play for, for team Finland and be a leader and, and all of that. And perhaps it isn't perhaps it'd be just, you know, he would be just as, valuable to stick around in Montreal who knows but you know I think it's a it's a conversation worth having and uh so we'll see how that all plays out and perhaps as we draw closer to the tournament Montreal might make a decision because you you do see that you know they're you're eligible to uh to uh be loaned out just before the uh the tournament starts so we'll see what happens so uh Rick do you want to get to the bad tweet of the
2: week I think we're right there and ready to go all right, so let's hit it with the bad tweets.
0: Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadian's Connection.
1: All right, so we'll thank Amy Johnson for lending her voice to that. So, Rick, <laughs> uh, so who do you have as the uh, bad tweet of the week or, or whom? Like, you, this could be multiple people. We don't know.
2: Um, I, I I'm going to set this up a bit because, uh, there was some news this, this week in the NHL, big news, big news, mm. um, that the NHL is adding, uh, another team, another franchise ah. last time in, in Seattle. Uh, now it's going to take a bit. Uh, they're not going to start playing, uh, until the 2021, 22 season, uh, yeah. It's going to take them a while to renovate that building and build a practice facility uh, in Seattle. Um, and uh, we learned, uh, um, other than uh, they got unanimous approval uh, from the Board of Governors, uh, we also learned a whole num- a number of things about um, the new NHL um, Seattle team. And that is that they will play in the Pacific Division. The Arizona Coyotes will move um to the central um and uh we learned that uh, (laughs) i don't know if you've seen the 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 vegas odds on on the uh the the names uh, of the team what it might be uh interesting that the seattle the nhl seattle group has um uh, bought up um uh, domain names uh, for, uh, I think it's 28, 28 different domain names uh, for all the different possibilities of their, their uh, names, but the top um, dozen or so uh, are um, the Seattle Totems, uh, the Seattle Emeralds, the Seattle Rainiers, uh, the Seattle Sockeyes, uh, a favorite of, of uh, Blaine Potvin of uh, our team, the Seattle Kraken. Um, oh. he, he just wants to hear unleash the cry. He, he, he's got to. Say <laughs> that. Um, the Seattle Renegades, the Seattle Sea Lions, Seattle Seals, the Evergreens, the Whales, the Cougars, the Eagles. Uh, I'm, I have a feeling that uh, with respect to the Seattle Eagles, that uh, Amy Johnson will have something to say about that. <laughs> and the biggest long shot is the Seattle Firebirds. But that yeah the 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 top one right now as uh, as it goes is the Seattle Totems. Uh, also news coming out is um, so Gary Batman was asked okay now you have an even number of teams is 32 a magic number? Hint hint uh, for all those waiting to hear in Quebec City. And <laughs> he said well it's not a magic number but. We like the balance. We like the even number. We like that that our divisions are balanced. Um, So we're going to be done for a while. Uh, There there will be no expansion for the foreseeable future uh, to which the hearts of of, um, every Quebec Nordique um, potential fan uh, sunk a little bit, I think. Now, the other part that we learned was that the uh, rules that governed the uh, the um, expansion draft uh, that brought in that were used for uh, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights are going to be exactly the same uh, for the Seattle team. And um, uh, with, with, with the caveat that that Vegas won't participate yeah. in the waiver draft or uh, not the waiver draft, the expansion draft. Sorry. Um, and all this to say that some of the Canadians fans have been looking forward, uh, looking ahead uh, to who the, the Canadians might make available. And our bad tweet of the week goes to Tasani, Tasuni on Twitter. And he says, I think he says can, but I think he's, it means can't wait until the until Seattle takes Habs Carey Price in the expansion draft that all that even though Carey Price has been fabulous lately <laughs> that uh somebody, a Habs Carey Price hater can't resist taking a shot at Carey Price uh with all this expansion news bad yeah. tweet of the week
1: yeah and that's that's a well-deserved bad tweet of the week as they they usually tend to be but uh that one in particular because it feels like that's one that I can't even really justify with, with a response or with with anything at all because it's just like, like what? <laughs> you you want to lose this guy for nothing? I understand that this has become a recent trend and perhaps there's a some kind of joy that some Habs fans get out of losing assets for absolutely nothing. But this is Carey Price we're talking about, man. I I just I can't understand this idea that this 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 desire for people to see this happen to carry price with everything that he has done for this franchise over the past 5 to 10 years uh so that is that is a well deserved bad tweet of the week and uh i'm sure that there will be uh be another bad tweet of the week and many others potentially regarding carry price hopefully not carry price on the expansion draft but we'll have to see <laughs> Uh so with that said, uh is there anything else you want to get to today, Rick?
2: Well, we have breaking news. Not not. Really. Oh really? Um oh. but our friends at Cap, cap Friendly, uh, the friendly friends at Cap Friendly have updated. Mm-hmm. Uh as I mentioned, uh the, the Canadians uh when we started the show um had about uh um, 8 million dollars $8 million in cap space left. The, the folks at Cap Friendly said that number is now 9.3 uh, million dollars in projected um. cap space uh which um prorates uh at the trade do- deadline to 43.3 million dollars in full face value um cap space and they add that Montreal has and that just emphasizes my point the fifth most cap space in the league and uh that emphasizes uh that that highlights my loser of the week in that yeah should the Canadians have all of that money and not be spending it. So, uh, which I know people will say, Oh, well, the trade deadline's coming and and there's so much. Well, we said that last year too, and the money was never spent. So spend the money. That's the message. Yeah. That's the message. And uh, And with that, I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, wish you a good, um, uh, weekend and, and a good, uh, Watching the Laval Rocket this afternoon with the HL yeah. Report team, uh, Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night. Um, follow all Habs uh, for that. And listen to this podcast every week and share it with your friends. We're always happy to interact with you and have you along.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can get us on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe to get this podcast along with the wonderful from the Press Box podcast that has a, a focus on the American Hockey League and specifically the Laval Rocket. It's an incredibly valuable thing to have, the, uh, the work that, these, uh, that uh, Amy Johnson is doing along with Rick Stevens. So, uh, yeah, so follow us on at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Whalen19. You can follow Rick Stevens at all Habs. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back with you this time next week. We'll be talking about everything Montreal Canadiens. And uh, as usual, we're going to have some fun with it. So we will see you again this time next week. That's 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. We'll be right back with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Connection
2: podcast.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.